like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome back to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I'm joined, almost as always, by my co-host, Eric. We are excited to bring another Stumbling Scared edition of the Jumping Scared Podcast to you, and this is going to be a Tremors edition, the first time viewing for both of us for 1990s horror comedy classic Tremors. Eric, take us away with how you're doing right now. (laughs) I'm doing pretty good, and just to start us off, Tremors is the movie that everybody's at least heard of and you feel like you've seen it even if you haven't like you know the idea and you know what's kind of gonna be happening when you actually watch it but uh this was a little before our time two years before we were born so the fact that our friends give us shit as horror movie podcasters without having seen this movie I understand, but also a big F you <laughs> to those guys because you can't see everything. That's true. You and can't. I also, I do respect IMDb lists this as a comedy, comma, horror, not a horror, comedy, comma, comedy. And this definitely did feel like a comedy first, horror second. Yeah, I would say comedy, comedy, comedy horror <laughs> more yeah. so than anything. The horror was pretty pretty minute at times. At at most times. At almost but, all times. I mean, creature feature in the nineties though. And it's, it was it was fun. We had a good time with it. It was fun. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's do some uh, due diligence on the film itself. So this, as we mentioned, came out in 1990. This was directed by Ron Underwood, who we weren't familiar with the name, but he did do a key jingling <laughs> movie from 1998 titled Mighty Joe Young, which, if I remember correctly, it's basically about a kid who befriends a gorilla who goes into a scientist who still befriends the gorilla but like what how does he befriend the gorilla do you remember she, that movie it's a girl yeah it's a woman she's like the caretaker of said gorilla and then there's poachers with the gorilla who are trying to steal it to sell i think it, but it's not a zoo though no i don't remember that much about the movie and, and for whatever reason whenever you jangle metal or keys in he front of mighty it. joe young he does not like and the it. one guy had the fingers bitten off he oh man what a weird movie um so <laughs> we're getting sidetracked that's the only thing we actually recognize the director from once again this movie is old he's got like a million credits to his name and to be honest we didn't scroll through but everything. like the top the, the top four we only really recognize tremors city slickers and then mighty joe young and city slickers i just recognized because like i think we saw it at a cousin's christmas party and it's like they threw it on because we were kids we had to watch it it was one of those kind of things yeah and then outside of the main cast i mean it obviously uh stars kevin bacon and his hair refuses to quit in this movie by the way i am doesn't quit i'm jealous of his hair it flows It it flows like it flows like kanye west and uh graduation Ooh, it flows like a river period <laughs> it flows like the euphrates it is just refusing to quit yeah his hair was very good eric initially was questioning like i was like oh man i wish i had that hair he's like do you and i was like do you see how like 
light and supple and how stylable that hair is. Like our hair, we have the thickest hair in the world. We cannot pull off the hairstyles that Kevin Bacon was rocking with in this movie. I was just straight up jealous. It's but the thing is he looks a lot like Theo Vaughn and Theo Vaughn has a mullet. He does, but like Kevin Bacon's hair was styled better than Theo Vaughn's. With the same oh, like yeah. suppleness, suppility. Yeah, suppility. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> yeah, suppility. A lot of suppility to it. A lot of movement. A lot of texture. It just, it just, it just flew. It, it just, just, it flew. It it's straight flew. up flew. It straight up flew. And so that <laughs> gets us through the cast. Everybody else is uh, Reba Mackin. That was Reba. Oh my god! Yeah, I saw the name. About, yeah, we talked so about I, that. We saw the name on the opening credits. Honestly, if I watched her in the movie, I would not have seen her whatsoever. But the one person that we actually have to hardcore mention before we get to the uh, through the yeah. I'm gonna I can't I, I won't be able to get through the movie without talking about the disrespect that was done to Victor <laughs> Wong in this movie. So as soon as I saw the we watched the you know the beginning of the movie onwards and we saw the credits and they're going through the cast like oh cool Kevin Bacon oh cool blah 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 and then they come to Victor Wong and immediately. I just get excited. Eric actually didn't know the reference, but as soon as I said who it was, he was like, oh my God. So if you're not aware, Victor Wong is the grandfather from the Three Ninjas series. So not only is he in the original three <laughs> three movies with the original cast. Kickback, Strike Back, and... No, no, it's uh, Three Ninjas, Knuckle Up, and Kickback. Those no. are the three originals. He was also in the fourth, High Noon and Mega Mountain, which is a completely different young cast, but he still stung true. So... The disrespect that comes to this actor as he portrays a character in Desert America. His name is Victor Wong. He clearly is an Asian man. To be fair, this was before <laughs> Three Ninjas and his acumen. I mean, this was 1993. Irrelevant. Was... <laughs> he, should got, he should have gotten preliminary deference for being an absolute icon. They knew he was going to be a uh, uncle who taught, or grandpa who taught they, they should have known. To white. <laughs> so, before we get into the movie, I will just say, as soon as I heard the way he was referenced, Victor Wong, the character in this movie, before they even said his first name, he is just referred deferentially as Chang. The random store attendant, and I just cannot let that go because put some respect on Victor Wong's name. I mean, the token minority in a Western setting, am I wrong? You're not wrong. I'm definitely not wrong. You're not wrong. Did you see another minority in this setting, or was it just white people? I mean, I feel like Kevin Bacon was kind of a mook, which is the minority of the film, but that's besides the point. So let's just go ahead. I think we're ready to yeah, I think, dive right in. I think we've been ready and we've been pushing it off, so I think we should actually just go ahead and dive right in. So this movie opens with one of the most beautiful green screens you can possibly imagine. These mountain backdrops without moving, just, oh, These are... perfectly still clouds just framing the sky. You can just see the clear backdrop. And the kind of beautiful the, the kind of clouds that a kindergartner could draw with a white crayon on black paper it's a kind of thing that you would hang up on your refrigerator and you wouldn't actually need to like have a gift because it would just be standstill on its own yeah it's it's that's how it is the kind of actually the kind of thing you would hang up on a refrigerator without a magnet because it would stand up by itself because it's that good Ooh. I like that. Okay, so we're obviously being hypercritical to start, but we're going to roll right into this movie. And as we said earlier, this is a comedy, comedy sort of horror because the comedy is first and foremost. And I think for both of us, this took a little bit to get going. Like the 
I don't know, the first, I'd say 20, 30 minutes, you're kind of setting the stage. You get a little bit of goofy dialogue between our two main characters, uh, which are kind of these hillbilly ranch hands, uh, handymen, kind of jack of all trades who are just, you know, kind of running through life, drinking beer and waking up late and just doing fence work. But uh, this this movie definitely picked up and it was, I think, pretty fun once it got going, once it established that first kind of baseline of what the plot was doing and what the eventual movie is going to be. And see, I appreciated all the buildup we got. I could tell instantly how suspenseful it was going to be by just watching their pickup truck. The suspense was crazy on the hills of Nevada. Boom, ba dum, ba dum, ba dum. Dude, it's they responded to every twist and turn. It was it's like uh, you remember like wrestling when Eddie Guerrero drove in on those low riders. Yeah, the ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. Dude, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't even right now. I just can't, dude. I, I, it was foreshadowing. Yeah. Let's, let's be real. It was complete foreshadowing. These cars. We're ready for all terrain, is, which is what the movie was going to give. Them. The movie did get all terrain, so though I'm just gonna move forward. <laughs> I'm gonna plunge forward. So the first thing that I took a note of because I thought it was really funny. So really early on, we're introduced to this uh, grad student doing like this seismic research. So there are these two like kind of I don't know 30, 35, whatever year old guys who are like, oh, there's a there's a new college girl and she's coming to work on the ranch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh and then so they're like, oh, she's gonna be this like big busty blonde girl with legs that are gonna ain't gonna quit for days. And then they pull up and they see this like in the distance really frumpy looking girl with like a you know, big a splotch of sunscreen on her nose. And uh, it's really funny because I was like, oh, she's going to be like, you know, the Anne Hathaway Princess Diary. She's going to take off her glasses and be gorgeous later. And then she, Eric just goes, she's gorgeous now. And then it, it cuts to her and she's got this huge splash of sunscreen, sunscreen on her nose and her hair's like blocking her eyes. I wrote it down and I stand by it. She is a less curvy Jessica Biel. <laughs> she really is. And, uh, well, the best part... <laughs> yeah their reaction like well not you you didn't even like sell it right because like it's like oh is that still that like uh mccarthy kid and then the other guy goes no it's a girl this <laughs> and they just fucking floor it changing through, through the desert to go see who it is uh and uh who 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 what what college does she go to in bum f nevada or they're just sending her out into the middle of gosh darn nowhere to do seismic research on somewhere that's apparently been like still for decades. Yeah, and she she even commented on that, saying like, "Oh yeah, the, these seismic uh, size what are they seismographs? Yeah, that is that a thing. These seismographs haven't done anything for years, but they've been going crazy lately. Do you know if anyone's been fracking, or do you know if anyone's <laughs> been digging somewhere they shouldn't? Excuse me, miss. What is this word you're saying? Fracking? <laughs> do you mean fricking? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, it, it, it starts off on the right foot as far as, like, we've got a bunch of incompetent main characters. We've got a smart, seemingly super attractive college girl who's going to come into play later. It's, it's, it's all it's the setting, right... It's setting it's, the stage. It's setting the stage for a beautiful and a fun second act. It is. And, Eric, I think you took a bit more notes here, so do you want to kind of... The next thing I have to say, I think, is a bit further along, so I'm going to let you kind of direct whatever you want to say next. Okay. 
So <laughs> this is this is gonna be unrelated to film, but because <laughs> <laughs> we've been very film focused this whole podcast. Like I, the, the first eleven and a half minutes, we have just been talking tremors, tremors, <laughs> tremors, and nothing else. So while we're on the concept of nothing else, one thing that got mentioned super early on from our two main characters, they were doing kind of like all sorts of odds and ends as far as the jobs go, and they were talking about garbage pickup and uh, Alex and I actually uh the only job we've uh besides like lifeguarding we've worked together on was at a uh, athletic complex in uh st louis missouri Mm -hmm. where we worked on baseball fields but mostly just like dragged the fields and then picked up garbage picking up garbage is a uh important job it's very it's a thankless job thankless job but it's really not that bad <laughs> no no you, you, once you get into the rhythm of it you're, you're picking up trash you're like yeah you're picking up trash it, it's cool until uh you realize that most of your trash cans have uh, open lids or and slits then, and you're gonna get some rainwater yeah missouri is a big state where rain kind of happens a whole lot yeah like most of the states yeah and so when you're picking up trash bags full of rainwater and mcdonald's bags they're prone to breaking <laughs> They're also prone to smelling. They're prone to smelling, and uh, when they break all over you, you're prone to smelling. So uh, that was just something that came up because that's just what we did. This is a life experience. And, and it, it related to us on a personal level is basically what Eric's saying. And so also, we can really uh, tie into that. And it relates to tremors because they talked about picking up garbage. They did. So that's where we started the tangent. That was, a, <laughs> that was a very necessary one-minute diversion. Okay. And as I, So as I continue, um, my next comment that I had written down was rip sheep literally <laughs> because sheep got ripped. To pieces. They did. Literally. Yeah, so there was a field of sheep, and all of a sudden, they were no more. Just bloody heaps of uh, sheep remains, mostly wool and a couple random body parts. And this leads us to potentially my favorite scene of the entire movie. We have got, we have got, we have got two very minor side characters who are, for whatever reason, jackhammering this desert strip of a street. They just... What? They, they, what? What do they? What do they? What do you jackhammer? It's a bit nonsensical, and Eric, I actually wrote this down too because it also was one of my favorite scenes. Because we, to, at this point, we're not really privy to what exactly the threat or the danger is. Obviously, we've seen the poster, we know what the movie's about, but if we're a fresh going in, we don't really know what's happening here. And we get this really cool scene where the jackhammer sticks into the ground, blood. A blood-like substance, at least, starts pouring out of the ground, and then immediately after that happening, the jackhammer seemingly into the ground just, like, zips forward like it's being carried by something, and that was such a cool scene. Yeah, remiss me to mention a shark movie, but this is just, like, Jaws when the uh, big barrels get pulled along. Oh, it was very much like that. so cool. It was a cool scene. To open the movie before we, like, see anything. Oh, yeah. No, it was a very cool scene. It builds attention. It builds attention really, really well. I absolutely agree. Um... So I also, kind of right after that, I think the way that they introduced the threat of the quote-unquote worms, I don't know what the better word to call them, but the way they did it too was interesting because they kind of brought the whole little small civilization into the kind of sphere of the movie with establishing the threat as being these little tiny worms. Like they were doing this little group photo shoot because they found this dead small worm like, oh, this thing was clasped onto a car. Like, look how it's like a big snake. It's like four feet long. Like, this is a weird thing. We're going to take pictures and charge money because it's like this really unique thing. And I like how they really bridge the gap between like 
beginning of the movie, no threat, to, okay, there's some threat, and that's what this little worm is, and then end of the movie, we're going to get a little bit more advanced than that. Yeah, I I like that, too. It's very um, alien-esque, where you see a very small part of the threat you're dealing with, and like people kind of get their... Um, basis of what's going on skewed Mm -hmm. like they think it's such a small thing like okay we can we can handle this it's it's really not that bad if it's just this little little guy but yeah we find out it's it's not just a little guy the little guy is in fact the little guy of the little guys of the big guy yeah it's like a sandy cheeks wrestling a tongue into a knot and then being just so stubborn that she doesn't realize she's wrestling a tongue we have spent 16 minutes and 7 seconds without referencing the Alaskan, Alaskan Bullworm episode of and SpongeBob. And it's been too long. Honestly, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. I want to say it. I'll say it. That that episode ruined this movie for us. <laughs> it's been said. No, that that's not actually true. But the episode did a very good like micro parody of that. I, w- I was going to say the episode did it better. <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't seen the Alaskan bull, that I mean, that spawned the huge meme of let's take Bikini Bottom and move it over there. It's dude, SpongeBob is a meme factory. The fact there was a point in our time, our lives when we were like our family oak is really into catchphrase, and whenever we were on the same team, there was a point where we were like. We can solve everything if we just make SpongeBob references, and then it's not going to work for anybody else, but it's going to work for us too. So it works. Yeah. That Alaskan Bullhorn episode is fire. Honestly, it's, fire. it's 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 it means tremor esque. Yeah, esque. It's like a what's the opposite of a light? Like a tremor heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not tremor light. It's tremor heavy. Yeah, tremors is a SpongeBob Alaskan Bullhorn light. <laughs> okay, yeah, but one thing I did want to mention. So briefly after this, then we get the first like clear demonstration that there is a huge worm here. So. There's this chase scene where the worm runs into this huge rock and just dies. And it's clearly like, I don't know, 20 feet long, a big mouth. Like, it's also revealed that these little worms are living inside the mouth. And really funny thing that I observed was that uh, one of our main characters, uh, actually I think it was Kevin Bacon, runs up to the end. He goes, hey, I found the ass end. And he's like <laughs> lifting it up while the other guys are looking at the mouth of the worm. And that was funny. And I, but also it was kind of cool because it's like, oh, damn, the scope of this is actually a lot bigger than just like these little tiny guys. And so uh, I think that's when our first view was like, oh, wow, these are like 20 foot, 30 foot, 40 foot long worms that are capable of like eating a person whole. And obviously the introduction of the college researcher doing seismograph studies is going to give you like an easy avenue as far as understanding the scope of like the threat you're in. It's like pretty instantly she's like, oh, look at this data. There was this big boy here and this big boy here and big boy, big, big boy. So she's like, okay, there's at least four guys miles apart. So you are you killed one, but there's four other occurrences going on. So it's it's like, I, I it happens in horror movies all the time where you have like some really kind of obscure reference towards authority and education where you can get a really quick... Um, explanation towards why something's happening but i don't know she's a babe so well it's also funny playing to that immediately after that we get uh, a side character they're trying to determine like what where did they come from like why is this happening out and a guy just like hey you're a scientist right 
shouldn't you have a theory? <laughs> and, yeah. and she was just like, I don't know. And I was like, that was like, that was like a really funny comment because like that's kind of playing to that where normally you turn to this random person who just like has this really specific knowledge of this one specific background. Like, oh yeah, this this is happening because of X, A, B, A, C, Y, B, D. And then it's just like, eh, shouldn't you have a theory? And then she's like, I don't know. I'm just a grad student seismologist. And speaking of uh, looks like, um, unfortunately, Kevin Bacon looked a little bit too much like uh, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård in uh, Pennywise role in it. His hair was a, a, at times a little bit windblown. It kind of like it's, it's not shuffled, the, up, shuffled up it's, above his. It's not the hair. I think it's like the ratio from like his eyes to the hair. It's like it's wide. It's possible. It, and it's like a, but it's like a thin face. It's a weird combination. You don't see that in too many people. It's a thin face, but a wide ratio <laughs> from eyes to hair. Very specific. It's it's specific, and that's why I think it fits. And Eric, this is a question I had during the movie. So there's a situ- there's a situation where Kevin Bacon, the uh, grad student girl, and his partner, who I'm forgetting his name, are running back to a car, pole vaulting between some rocks. They get to the car. Uh, eventually the worms trap them and grab hold of her with barbed wire and are starting to pull her in. Kevin Bacon convinces her, just take your pants off. Is it possible that Kevin Bacon orchestrated this entire worm situation to get her out of her pants? I think he was on the phone like, yo, I've got some barbed wire. You've got some fucking scary I'm, worms. I'm curious. You've got some scary worms. Let's get Who this was he going. on the phone with? Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Vince McMahon can sell a fight like anybody. That's possible. That's very possible. No, but in all seriousness, then we're continuing movie the, going forward with the movie. Uh, it's clearly established that these worms respond to vibrations. Everybody hauls ass to the roofs of their current buildings because they're bursting through the uh, through the floors. Honestly, at this point, I'm just gonna say Rip Chang because Rip. Chang. He didn't even get a good death, honestly. No, they he don't. died like in the middle of the store while yeah. people were just like, "Oh no!" Victor Chang. Wong got did dirty by this movie, and I honestly cannot forgive this movie for the treatment of Victor Wong he because got did he did dirty, and it was done dirt cheap, and he was a national treasure. Victor Wong is a national treasure for everybody who grew up watching Three Ninjas and for everyone who didn't because you don't understand how good Three Ninjas was. And if you don't understand how good Three Ninjas was, go watch those movies because they hold up. Even even High Noon at Mega Mountain, I watched it three years ago, and that movie's fun. It stars. It doesn't hold up if you haven't seen it when you were a kid, to be fair. It stars. No, it does. I watched it with somebody who does not had not seen it as a kid. It stars Hollywood Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. As... Do you know his name? Uh, oh, Dave Dragon. Go, oh, Dave Dragon. <laughs> I need it, a second. It holds up. It, all, don't don't start <laughs> that one if you choose to start the sequence. Just, I mean, it's it's a great series. But uh, he got done real. He got dirty. real done real dirty. He was a stereotype as a some sort of like stingy business owner and like oh trying to get make a quick quick. But he buck. was like, the thing was he was like a good business owner before. I don't know if you noticed this early in the film when our two uh, Kevin Bacon and yeah. uh, what's his face uh, Punisher Light Punisher Light yeah when Kevin Bacon and Punisher Light got into his store before they even said anything he cracked two beers and gave him like two he did like, yeah he, he knew. knew that was like the bartender at uh, Volleyball Beach just like oh you want some yeah, want some Coors Light Coors Light that's that's what I respect I respect the kind of business owner who sees their um their attendees and says okay you've been here before i know what you want uh without hassle i'm just gonna give what you want 
No hassle. I respect that. I do respect that. And he, what did he get? What did he get for in return? A very rough death and a very bad treatment. And it's, not only is it a rough death, he probably suffocated before he like bled out. Ooh, he get that's actually into really the true. Sand. Like I, that's a pretty rough way to go. You're getting pulled down as he's yelling, "Help! Help! Help!" You're definitely suffocating, like drowning on sand. How does that work? Oh, well, so, ooh, you suffocate on a solid. Which, it would go, it would go, like, the sand would go up your, like, nose and your esophagus. Is that, is that, is that akin to drowning? It's, it's like a asphyxiation. But, like, is that, would you die assim- similarly to drowning? I don't know, like a solid versus a liquid. These are, like. I mean, they're, it's all going into your lungs. No I know, what. but, like, I don't know how it affects you in terms of feel and timing, but probably pretty similar. I mean, I'd rather, well, are we saying, like, if you're getting pulled down by, like, a liquid monster, too, or you're just, like, drowning? Well, I'm just. I, well, you're saying you're. This is he was dying first of the asphyxiation versus the yeah <laughs> monster. It's no matter what. It's not, not a good way not, to go. No, no, not absolutely not. So R.I.P. Wong for sure. And so moving forward, we get to the situation where everybody in the town. It's like nine people at this. It's point. not many, but it's also not many to start. Yeah, it's it's, not, like, it's like fourteen. <laughs> so so every, we're down like five people. Everybody understands what's happening, and kind of we've got like two people who emerge as like the leaders as far as what do we actually want to do. And we've got two people who emerge as leaders in terms of cool guys who are like, okay, we'll actually embrace the threat. Because I want to give a quick shout out to Bert and Heather, who are a married couple who have a goddamn arsenal in their house. And they're like, you know what? I don't really know what's coming for us, but we're approaching it like we are Southern people and we're going to take our guns and fight for our freedom. Okay. I'm going to stop Alex here because he said Arsenal, but that is not doing it justice. <laughs> I, Based on what we saw, they had at least 55 guns. It, it was an entire wall of a two pretty walls. large basement. Two, two walls. Two walls of entire, <laughs> a lar- very large basement. They showed us one wall and we're like, holy shit. And they turn around. The second wall was even <laughs> bigger and it's not just like handguns it's assault rifles it's machine guns it's light machine guns it's sniper rifles it is shotguns it's everything you could possibly want to fight literally anything that you could possibly encounter in this two horse town in nevada yeah and shout out to Bert and heather because they fully fight a worm that comes into their space without really knowing anything about them and they take it out and they decide they want more and they got, they join the rest of the people. So Burton uh Heather were, were truly the MVPs of this movie. Uh I kind of aspire to be Bert as I grow up because he just had that mentality of I don't really care what's coming at me. I'm going to approach it and I'm going to win and Bert did a gosh darn good job. So at this point all of our characters are on miscellaneous roofs throughout the town. And they kind of, they've killed, I think, two worms at this point, if not three. And they're at the point where they're trying to make a business decision as how can we keep everybody safe and how can we get out of this situation? And Bert, obviously, is just like, we're going to shoot these sumbudges. Actually, he, uh, he had a really good line as far as what he called them. He called them mother humpers. <laughs> That's right. We're going to shoot these mother humpers as they come. And... Uh, Everybody else is on the roof like, Bert, <laughs> just chill out. Uh, if you make noise, they're going to come to you. If they come to you, they're probably going to take your whole fucking house down. So chill out. But we come to learn that there is a 
what was the weight on this tractor? It was like, oh, it was like 36 tons? No, it was more than that. It was like 85 It was tons. a lot of tons. It was an absurd amount of tons. One ton is equivalent to one elephant. 1,000 pounds. Or 2,000 pounds. I'm trying 2,000 pounds. Yeah, okay. So 2,000 pounds is a ton. And it was a it was it, it was, was a lot of tons. Let's see if I wrote it down actually. Uh, so but anywho, what Eric's talking about, they get this uh, huge, huge like kind of tractor trailer thing, and then they also trail a tractor behind it, and so that's kind of their escape pattern because the worms aren't strong enough to pull it down. Our heroes move on. They get to some rock safety, and we get probably my second favorite scene of the movie. My first favorite was that jackhammer. But my second favorite was we get uh, some Bert. Uh, engineering execution here where Bert had made these kind of pipe bombs out of gunpowder or out of some sort of explosive and we get a lasso device hooking up to the pipe bomb and they lasso it out into the sand drag it forward to make some vibrations and one of our uh, sandworms eats it down and then just explodes as it gets into its digestive system which was a very cool scene yeah and Bert's um rationalization for spending the time to make these so-called pipe bombs was by saying these are a few household chemicals in the proper proportion <laughs> <laughs> yeah Bert is very cool basically is what Eric's trying to say uh everyone should really aspire to be Bert not only in these life or death situations but I think just in general, like Bert, kind of has a handle on life. He's got. I think a, we can learn a lot from Bert. Yeah, he's got a loving relationship with his yeah. very attractive woman. He is living in a two-horse town, but he's living his best life. Yeah. No, Bert's Bert's doing Bert well. My, I, I would be interested to see what he does as like a day person when there's no worms around. When there's no worms and there's Ooh. only fourteen people. In I the feel town. like he probably gets bored. What? He's, he's 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 equipped for these situations, but what does he do in a day-to-day situation? I, I, still, I agree with you. I still can't wrap my head quite around what would be the logic or what would be the driving force behind a person or a couple getting 55 so, forms of fire. You haven't lived far enough south. You've, you've gone as far as uh, kind of middle Kansas, middle Missouri. You need to go a couple hundred miles further south. I've still got two unregistered pythons. <laughs> uh, anywho. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so basically we're wrapping up with our movie here. Uh, so three- oh, wait, no, 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 no. So the <laughs> pipe bombs that Bert built worked amazingly on the first one. But the second one was a really the smart final one. Say the final one. This is our fourth it's worm a, at this it's point. The the final girl. Yeah. <laughs> our final girl. Our final girl. Our final girl saw that pipe bomb. She chewed it up and she spit it out. And when I say she spit it out, she spat it with aim and dexterity it, right at our main cast, it, saying, "You no 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 no." no, no, no. No, you do never, never, never try me. It's it's like uh, it's like Richard Sherman. You just try me with a sorry ass grenade like that. You never try me like a sorry ass grenade like that. You never try me. <laughs> so it, it's like one of those Looney Tunes uh, cartoons where they walk into the saloon and immediately spit into the corner and just lands right into the spittoon with a clink. This is what they did with the pipe bomb into their bag of pipe bombs. They knew. They knew. They knew. They absolutely knew. And so their whole kind of explosive arsenal just goes shebang and blows up. And we get our final confrontation. Kevin Bacon really shines here. He's like, you know what? 
I'm gonna call my own number. I'm gonna face this last worm on my own. And Eric, how does it end? It ends really well. (laughs) I'm laughing because the last comment I had, for whatever reason at this point, after the entire watching of the movie, I wrote Kevin Bacon is soft skin. (laughs) He was really soft skin to be fair. Okay, has no so. plot relevance whatsoever. You you said it first. I wrote it down. I don't think I said that. But so, I mean, eventually, though, our main characters just end up besting the worms, and, <laughs> which is a true. very it's broad true. description. Confirmed. <laughs> but uh, how they win actually is kind of funny because, like, before they actually happen, I was like, "Yo, just go Native American buffalo off the cliff," and that's exactly what happened. They uh, Kevin Bacon was like, "You know what?" They're not smarter than us. I'm going to outsmart them. And he led the worm forward, forward, forward. And then it like went from underground and then just accidentally burst off a cliff in chasing and then splattered itself on the ground hundreds of feet below. Dude, holy shit. I'm just now realizing that's exactly how they beat the Alaskan bullworm in SpongeBob. Do you remember? <laughs> oh! It is, right? And then that, that, was the, that was the folly of Patrick of moving Bikini Bottom yeah. underneath the cliff. And they got fucked because the worm ended up right by Bikini Bottom. So they needed someone like Kevin Bacon steering them like, no, we'll need that cliff. Yeah, Kevin Bacon would have been like four hours ago like, nah. <laughs> so Sandy Cheeks was a very much worse Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude, Kev- Kevin Bacon. it. Kevin Bacon was Sandy Cheeks' grandfather that there was a disconnect between him and Sandy Cheeks. So did he have sex with a squirrel? No, okay, no, let's not get there. <laughs> uh, anywho. So, but basically though, this movie was, I think, it, it took a little bit to get into, but we actually had a really good time with it. It took, let's, let's be realistic, it took a lot to get into. Like, I, I was... I think the first half hour was... I was engaged, but yeah. I wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. The ending, like the last probably 45 minutes, I was super into it. was very solid. So let's just go ahead and give it a quick rating. Ooh, um, off so the top of the noggin. It's going to be off the top of the noggin. This is going to be probably a... This is one that if you've seen it, you've probably seen it when you were littler-ish. Like people aren't really watching Tremors in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give this... Based on like the last thirty to forty five minutes, like a seven point nine. Seven point nine. Wow. I was I really actually gonna go I was gonna go a little bit under. I was gonna say a six point nine. Wow, nice. 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 Uh, but this was pretty enjoyable and uh, was definitely a fun watch. And we also were just made aware recently that there was like seven or eight sequels all on <laughs> Netflix. And uh, I think it could be interesting to see more. So one thing I told Eric was I was really expecting a lot of, and actually this was a really timely observation. I was like, I'm, I'm expecting like some molehill, molehill type worm underground motion where you just see the ground raise up. You didn't get a ton of that, but as immediately as I said that we got our first big one where it was just like the ground raising i was like oh well that's good timing i respect them because you could tell they didn't want to have a big budget and they didn't but what they did with their budget i think was good yeah I would nothing no, nothing looked like hilariously bad what they did i think was good yeah so. I, w- I would agree and so yeah overall this was a fun watch and a uh, uh, shout out to a listener and a friend who uh, really were kind of showcasing this movie and saying i can't yeah. believe you guys haven't watched this yeah. so uh yeah pale face and second favorite twin yeah and so this has been a uh 
Stumbling Scared edition of the Jumping Scared podcast that we are happy to bring to you for a couple friends, couple fans, and just for ourselves as well, because more horror movies is a good time for us. So until next time, this has been Jumping Scared, quote unquote horror. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at Jumping Scared Podcast on Twitter or by email, jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.